fiction and reality. New stories, new ideas. Little Beth Entertainment. Welcome to the Model Rocket Show at themodelrocketshow.com. I'm your host, The Rocket Noob, and this is episode four, the FAQ. These are questions. Some of them have been sent to me by listeners or readers or followers on Instagram. Some of these are regularly asked questions you see on the forums all the time. Things by newbies a lot of times, including the one that always gets asked, what's the best glue? Yeah, I said it. So get your popcorn ready because we're starting in five, four, three, two, one. It's the Model Rocket Show with Daniel, the Rocket Noob. The podcast that's all about model rockets you fly in a park and fly in motors G-size or smaller. And now, here's your host, Daniel, the Rocket Noob. All right, welcome back to the Model Rocket Show at themodelrocketshow.com. This is episode four, and as I said, this is the FAQ, and i got a number of questions that I've pulled either from the forums, questions that come up frequently. Um, a few people who follow me on social media have sent me some questions, and actually I've got a few voicemails uh, from a listener named Phil from the UK, and uh, you may be familiar with Phil because he's been on the Rocketry Show a few times, and uh, I'm actually re-recording parts of this episode, which is why one of the reasons why it's taken so long for it to come out, uh, because um, I got some really good questions from Phil. And um, well, the first time I recorded this, I, I rambled a lot and editing was kind of hard. So we're going to call this volume one of a series of episodes of questions. And these ones all happen to be beginner's questions, but but they don't have to be. If you have a question you'd like to hear addressed on the podcast or anything you'd like to hear me talk about, please uh, email it to me, noob at themodelrocketshow.com. You can also record a voicemail. That'd be a lot of fun to play uh, on, the, on the show. And uh, if I don't know the answer, I will try and find out for you. Uh, we're going to get right into it. And this is a question that I hear, a question that I see all the time on various forums on the on Facebook or on the Rocketry Forum. It's a newbie question, and it is, what's the best glue? People ask this question all the time, and you get all kinds of reactions to it. Uh, the, my reference to popcorn in the intro is somebody always posts a gif of Michael Jackson at the movies eating popcorn because they anticipate a big argument. Uh, I don't really see a lot of actual argument because I don't think it's terribly controversial as to what's the best glue, but it is something that the reactions range from people answering the question to, oh, no, not this again, because it, you, it's a question that comes up all the time. Newbies ask it all the time. And I'm going to say this. It's good that people are asking this question because it indicates that we have a healthy, growing hobby and we're bringing in fresh blood uh, and, and, and new rocketeers all the time. And of course, newbies are going to have uh, real basic questions such as, what's the best glue? Like a lot of people during this pandemic, I picked up baking sourdough bread, and so I joined some online sourdough bread baking forums, and I got to tell you, sourdough bread baking forums and rocketry forums are exactly alike. What's the best bread knife is to sourdough bread baking forums as what's the best glue is to model rocketry forums. It's a question that every newbie asks, and uh, I'll just say this. If if we didn't have people asking this question, that would mean the hobby's not growing, and uh, we need it to grow because we want to, a healthy marketplace for our vendors so that we continue to have kits and motors because there's got to be an economic incentive for that, and we want an increased awareness. You know, it's sometimes it's hard to find a place to fly model rockets, and um, even though there are a lot of places where it's not 
against the law to go to a park and fly a model rocket. A lot of times it's just because, you know, not a lot of people do it. And the first time somebody shows up at a park with some model rockets, uh, you know, somebody freaks out and, and, uh, you know, maybe they call the police or something because they, they think they're shooting off fireworks and fireworks maybe are legal there or what have you. And of course, when this happens, people in the forums get all angry and say, well, those people need to, to educate themselves. But I think it's up to us as rocketeers to share this, frankly, rather underground hobby and how fun it is and how safe it is and spread awareness uh, and, uh, you know, the, the educational benefits as well. That way, more people will take up the hobby, more people will be aware of the hobby. And, you know, we're less likely to have hassles that we don't need because, frankly, this is a safe hobby. And uh, uh, the more people who know about it, the better. So if you don't like answering this question, when you see it on the forums, I get it. It's kind of tiresome to answer the same question over and over again. I would just say, leave it be. That's my recommendation. Just leave it alone. You know, you don't have to make fun of the person uh, and and just let somebody else answer the question. But I'm going to hear to answer the question. So what's the best glue for building model rockets? The answer is, it depends. Okay, so <clears throat> what we're mainly talking about here is building model rockets like your Estes kits that are made out of paper, craft paper wound tubes. You might think of them as cardboard. It's basically paper that's wound over and over again. It's paper. Also wood for fins and, uh, you know, launch lugs and, and stuff like that. Um, so your best general purpose glue is going to be either white glue or yellow glue. Now, what do I mean by white glue and yellow glue? Well, as the name implies, white glue is white and it dries white. Yellow glue is kind of a yellowy-ish color and it dries kind of yellowy-ish. Um, Elmer's glue all is probably the best known and most easily found brand of white glue. Um, Aliens Tacky Glue is another one. Uh, and yellow glue is more like you would think of as your carpenter's glue, your wood glue. Uh, you know, Elmer's makes one, Titebond makes several different kinds, Gorilla, and uh, and so on and so forth. And the fact is that when you're gluing with these things, your bond is going to be stronger than the materials you're bonding together. So if you're gluing on fins and you have and you, you put a good bead of white or yellow glue on there, uh, if the fin ever breaks off, you will notice that it's not the glue that failed. The glue is still all there. What has failed is either the wood, so the fin has snapped somewhere above the root, or the paper, so the paper of the body tube has come and has basically ripped off. But the glue itself is going to be intact. And that is because the, the glue is going to form a stronger bond than the materials you're gluing together. And that's definitely true in the case of model rockets. Now, I'm going to share an interesting video uh, in the show notes. A, a listener of The Rocketry Show and a reader of my blog, the, uh, the Rocket Noob blog, sent me a video of a guy on YouTube who was testing out the, the strength, the tensile strength of various glues. Wood glues, white glues, he even used school glue, which I, I don't recommend school glue. It is a white glue, but you want to stay away from anything washable because, you know, it can dissolve in, in water. But in, in general, he's just testing these out and he's gluing blocks of wood together and then using a, a crane scale to rip the blocks apart. And uh, you'd be really surprised the amount of force it takes to break these bonds, even with the school glue, which is not really meant for heavy duty applications. Now, the caveat there is 
he's using blocks of wood that he is gluing together in a carpentry sense and then clamping them together for 24 hours. And that's not really something we do in model rocketry, but you don't really need to do that. Uh, so white glue, yellow glue, it doesn't matter what brand, doesn't matter what kind, uh, they're all, they're all going to work. Um, some of them might be a little stronger, but frankly, what you're, what you're really fighting against is the paper and the wood. Uh, so you just get yourself a nice bottle of white glue or yellow glue. Now I happen to use uh, yellow glue. Um, I, I use tight bond. I use tight bond two, actually. Uh, the reason I use tight bond two is, uh, the blue label goes with my eyes better than the red label of type on one. Um, and you know, two is, is more than one. So, you know, seemed like a good enough reason. The fact is it really doesn't matter, uh, which brand or which formulation you use. And it, which it is interesting though. The, uh, type bond website is very informative and actually has the differences, uh, between the different type bonds. And so I will post that in the show notes, uh, cause I think it's interesting. They mostly, it's about different drying times and there's some waterproof levels, but really, if you're talking about paper rockets, if you're going to get it wet, you know, you're going to have a problem. Uh, so I'm going to post that. I want to talk about some other adhesives just because it does come up. Okay. So the next one I want to talk about is epoxy. Uh, now epoxy of course is used in rocketry quite a lot. And sometimes you'll see someone on a forum, they will post a picture of say an Estes goblin, you know, paper tube, balsa fins, and they have used epoxy to glue it together you know, you get all kinds of reactions to this, including what I said above, that your your bond with white or yellow glue is going to be stronger than the paper and the, and the wood. So it's really kind of overkill. Um, and there are good reasons to use epoxy for certain things. Like, for example, if you're building a kit that is not made out of uh, wood and paper, say you're building Mach 1 Rocketry is a good example. Mach 1 Rocketry, they support the Rocketry show. Uh, they make fiberglass kits. They make high-power kits, but they also make model rocket kits that are made out of fiberglass. Well, wood glue is not going to bond that. You, you might be able to glue it on there, uh, and it may stick, but you can snap it right off because it's not the right appropriate adhesive for that. Uh, it's basically like gluing onto wax paper. It'll peel right off. Uh, so what you need there, you do need something like epoxy and you need a bit of grit. You mean a bit of uh, a bit of tooth. So you may have to sand the surface a little bit so that it's not perfectly smooth. You may have to score it, what have you. Now, if you've been listening to the rocketry show for a long time, or you've been reading my blog for a long time, you may remember that I did a little experiment, uh, about a year or two ago where I glued a bunch of fins onto body tubes, balsa fins, onto paper tubes. And I just, I used my scales to try and break off the fins and sort of see how hard or how easy it was to break them off. And the, the Elmer's glue all white glue and the tight bond two wood glue were quite difficult to break off. Um, and the epoxy was difficult to break off as well, except that the epoxy was easier to break off. Now, as I said before, the paper is going to fail or the wood is going to fail before the glue fails. In this case, when I broke the fins off, in each case, it ripped the paper off. And so the paper failed. The glue was perfectly intact. So the glue didn't fail. So you might think to yourself, well, wait a second. If the paper is failing, why was it easier to break off the epoxy fin than the two wood glue fins? And now the equipment that I had to test this was it was just what I had lying around in my hobby shop. It's not the most scientific equipment, you know, um, but I can tell you it was definitely easier to break off the fin that used the epoxy than that used the white glue and the yellow glue. And why is that? If it's the paper that's failing, shouldn't they all break off at the same time? Well, the thing about epoxy is epoxy doesn't dry 
it cures. Now, yellow glue and white glue, they dry. So they have some water in them. So while you are gluing the fins on, some of that moisture is penetrating into the body tube. So that means that once everything dries, you have, if the paper's going to fail, you have to basically rip more paper off of the tube in order for the white glue or the yellow glue to fail. So it's not that the adhesive is giving, it's that the, the adhesive, it's basically penetrating deeper into the tube. It, it's a good idea when you're building with paper tubes to scuff up the tube a little bit, regardless of what are you, whether you're using epoxy or if you're using white glue or yellow glue, because you, some of those tubes, you pull them right out of the bag and they're a little slick, especially those brown ones. You ever notice you try and make a pencil line on a brown model rocket tube, and if it's not been scuffed up a little bit, it's really hard to make a pencil line that's even visible. That's because it's so slick. And whatever glue you're using, that's going to make it a little less uh, adhesive. It's going to have a harder time gripping onto the rocket. So it's not a bad idea to take a, a bit of sandpaper or a sanding sponge and scuff it just, just a little bit. You don't need to go to town on it. Just take a little of that shine off of there. And if you can make a pencil mark, a nice clear pencil mark on the tube, you're good to go. So you can choose to glue fins on and launch lugs onto a paper rocket with epoxy if you want to, but you should know that it's not better it's messy, it's more expensive, it's toxic. You, you really should be using gloves. If you're mixing a lot of it, you need to be having an open window or a respirator or something like that. And the bond's not going to be any better. It also adds more weight. So, you know, that's, uh, that's something to consider. I'm not saying don't do it. I'm not saying you can't do it, but it's not better. And um, except there are certain times, and I'll talk about that in a minute, uh, when you you may choose to use epoxy for a reason. If you have a reason to do it, uh, now there are a few rockets I've built which should have been built with, with uh, white or yellow glue, but I needed to use some epoxy for certain things, and I'll tell you about those in a minute. But first, I'm going to go over CA and superglue. Superglue, of course, it's, uh, it bonds almost instantly depending on the, on the formula. It's known as cyanoacrylate or CA. In hobby formulations, it comes in different thicknesses from water thin to medium thickness to thick and gooey. Uh, and, uh, it's got its purposes in model rocketry for general construction. It's not the best adhesive for a few reasons. Uh, first of all, it over time can become brittle. So if you glue your fins on it, uh, with it, uh, that adhesive can crack and fail. Now there are always exceptions to this. There are, there, there are people out there who have built model rockets with CA of various thicknesses or super glues of various formulations, gels or what have you. And uh, they've worked just fine and they've lasted many launches. I've even heard of the occasional per person who has built a high power rocket using CA. Um, oftentimes high power rockets use what's known as through the wall fin construction. So the fin doesn't just glued on, get glued onto the surface. It gets glued through a slot in the tube to the motor mount. So it's got an extra layer of support there. You know, and so there are always exceptions, but generally speaking, that's not the best adhesive for gluing fins on. Again, someone out there listening to this show has probably built plenty of rockets with super glue, and that's fine, but it does tend to get a little brittle. If you're looking for strength, the other reason uh, that you want to you wanna maybe stay away from it is it does bond to flesh, so you can easily glue your fingers together with it. And if you're working with the water-thin stuff, it's best to use uh, um, eye protection uh, because that stuff can splash just like water. 
And if you get it in your eyes, I don't know what to tell you. You got to get new eyes. You got to go to, you have to go to the hospital. I have no idea what would happen if you got CA in your eyes. You just don't want to do it. Um, it's the thin stuff is probably not the best adhesive anyway. It's, it's used for other things in, in general. Um, uh, so, so if you're working with kids, if you're building with kids, I would say don't let the kids use super glue. You know, uh, if you're going to use super glue, have the adult do the super gluing. There are reasons you might want to use CA. It works fast. So if you got to get a rocket built and flying within a few hours, um, you know, you, you can use that. Just know that it may not last quite as long as other model rockets that, that if properly cared for and flown carefully could last for years, but that's, that's CA and super glue plastic cement. Uh, that's the next one. So some kits will, uh, call for plastic cement for certain applications. Like you have a two part plastic nose cone. You have to glue it together. Uh, or you have, I don't know, say you're building a Saturn five and you have, uh, engine bells that come in two halves and you have to glue them together and come with plastic cement. Or you're gluing a tail cone into a paper tube and it calls for plastic cement. I'll say this. um, If you are using plastic cement and you are using the stuff that comes in a red tube, I don't know if I should name brand names here if if I'm going to say something not so positive. But that stuff is super brittle. I don't like it. It smells terrible. It's very toxic. Uh, and it's, it just always cracks. It always cracks. I mean, there are certain times where if you say, if you're gluing a tail cone, a plastic tail cone inside a tube and it goes all the way around, then maybe that's fine. Um, I don't like that stuff though. Uh, if you need a plastic cement to glue parts together, like say, here's an example that's currently in production. It's the, uh, the Estes mercury redstone. The nose cone comes in three parts. So it's a shell that has three Basically, it's a, it's the whole thing is is in thirds, and you have to glue them together. Well, if you look at the instructions, there's not a lot of words in Estes instructions. It's mostly pictures, and so the plastic cement that's shown looks like that red tube cement, but that's gonna get all goopy and it's gonna go all over the place. It's hard to control, and uh, you know I don't know that that would make a capsule fall apart because it's not the most stressed part of the rocket, but. Uh, there are plastic cements where they're thin and they come with a, uh, a little brush. And so what you do is you hold the parts together and usually on the inside, someplace you can't see, you brush it on the seam. Uh, it then through capillary action penetrates that seam and it cements the two parts together. Uh, I know that uh, Tamiya makes a plastic cement. The brand of plastic cement I have, I will post in the show notes because I don't have it in front of me right now and I don't remember what it's called, but I used that for my Saturn V parts that needed plastic cement. Um, But generally speaking, if I need plastic cement for something other than that, uh, like if I'm gluing a, if I'm gluing up, for example, a plastic tail cone into a tube, which I've done on a number of rockets for that, that's when I get the super glue or the CA, the medium stuff. Glue sticks. Glue sticks are good for light work. Uh, they're great for gluing together the ends of paper shrouds or reducers or boat tails. So you've got a, a fat tube and a skinny tube, and there is a conical section that's called a reducer or a boat tail or a transition. And sometimes those are made out of paper. And uh, a good way to glue the tab on there is with a nice glue stick. Um, it is best for light work. Some people use uh, glue sticks for papering fins, and this is a means of putting a paper skin over the 
basically the flat part of your fins, and that will strengthen the fin and that will hide the wood grain so it's easy for painting. A lot of people do that with white glue or yellow glue, but some people use uh, glue sticks because it's just less messy. Uh, and finally, uh, hot glue. Don't use hot glue. Stay away from it. It's I know it's a crafter's uh, dream, uh, but hot glue is not very strong. And rocket motors use fire and they create a lot of heat. And it's just don't use hot glue for model rocketry. All right. Now, if I could talk for a minute about epoxy again. So uh, there are exceptions to every rule. And you may find as you're building that you may have a reason to use whatever it is, any kind of tool or technique or, or glue or, or substance in a way that you wouldn't normally do for most builds. And so, for example, with epoxy, I'm going to give you two examples of uh, when I've used epoxy, when uh, wood glue should have been plenty. All right, so the first uh, example I was building was my first mid-power sort of larger rocket, and it's by Quest. It's the Quest Big Dog. It's a nice, impressive uh, rocket that's almost two inches in diameter. And uh, so I glued the motor out together, and then I was about to glue that into the body tube, and the centering rings were too narrow. And by too narrow, I, I don't mean they just kind of slid in. I mean they wouldn't touch the sides. I don't really know why that is. I will say that the box indicates the diameter of the body tube is 1.92 inches, but it's actually closer to 1.97. So I don't know if at some point in the manufacture of this kit, uh, years ago, Quest maybe changed manufacturers of the tube or something, and so the the, the diameter was different, it came out different, I don't know. But the fact is, uh, the centering rings would not touch the sides. And the thing about wood glue is it's not good for gap filling. It's really, you have to have, the parts have to come in contact to make a good bond. It'll make a great bond, but they have to be touching. So in that case, I needed something that would be thick enough and viscous enough that it would fill in that gap so that I could glue it in and it wouldn't fail. Now, I suppose it's possible that I could have taken some wood glue and put a thin bead around the edge of the centering ring and let it dry and then put another thin bead and just built up the centering ring with layers of wood glue. That might have worked. Uh, I don't know how many I would have had to do, but also I was new at this. So I decided to go for epoxy. So I mixed up some just Bob Smith Industries epoxy. epoxy. This is the uh, the two-bottle epoxy that you find in a lot of craft stores and hobby shops. And it's fine stuff. It's not super expensive. It does the job. I put that in there. And uh, of course, epoxy doesn't set right away. So I had to glue the motor, or I had to tape the motor mount in place while it, it cured. Um, but then it was nice and rock solid. So that was fine. So that's one example. Other example, I was building my Estes Goblin. Now, I was using my wood glue, and I was gluing on the fins, and I use a fin jig called the guillotine fin jig. And it's great because you just, it, it holds everything in place and you can stick your fins in there, walk away from it. And when you come back, everything will be nice and solid. Well, I was gluing on the fins. I was gluing on the first fin and then I was trying to turn the rocket to glue on the next fin. And for some reason, I was having real trouble getting the rocket out of there. And the reason is I, I, I hadn't pulled it. It has these two arms that stick out that hold your fin in place. And I hadn't pulled it all the way out of the, those two arms and I twisted 
the rocket and I basically ripped off the fin that I just glued on and it tore off some paper. And, uh, I, you know, I basically scraped off the glue and the paper from the fin base and I just re-glued it on. Uh, and it, you know, it held just fine. The problem is that I, when I ripped off the paper, it left a larger tear on the rocket than the base of the fin, than the root of the fin. So I needed something to cover that up. Now, normally when doing fillets, if I, if I'd done that with glue, it wouldn't have covered. So I decided I needed something with a larger footprint. So I mixed up some epoxy. In this case, I used a filler called micro balloons. And these are, they're tiny microscopic spheres or bubbles of silica glass. They're a little hazardous because they're almost lighter than air. It's like a dust, uh, but it, it lightens epoxy. It makes it less prone to sagging, so you can shape it. it makes it uh, sandable, and it makes it lighter weight. So I mixed some of that up. I smeared, smeared it on there, and I tell you what, my little goblin has the prettiest fillets. Uh, but that's that the the micro balloons do make epoxy brittle, and so there is a hairline fracture on my beautiful fillet where it had a little bit of a hard landing. But you know what? I needed to cover up that tear and I do have some nice fillets on that goblin. So there's two examples of where I decided, okay, normally I wouldn't use epoxy for this. In this case, I'm going to. And so I think use whatever adhesive you want. But I think if you're going to stray outside of uh, what, what you really need, which in, in most cases is white or yellow glue, maybe you should have a reason why. All right, so if you're one of the people who've been asking this question, you know, what's the best glue for model rocketry? White glue, yellow glue, that's your best uh, bet as far as general purpose stuff. Whatever brand you like, whatever formula you like, it doesn't really matter. Whatever you find that's on sale, there's no real answer except for Tight Bond 2. That's the best glue. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Be right back after this. All right, it's time to talk about our sponsor, eRockets.biz, your home for unique model rocket kits, as well as the world's largest selection of model rocket parts from SEMROCK. They've been in business since 2009. eRockets doesn't just stock many of your favorite in-production kits. They also produce their own versions of popular out-of-production models many of you have come to enjoy over the years. What I want to talk to you right now is New Way Rocketry. New Way uh, Flying Model Rockets, the, these are square rockets, and you can get them at eRockets.biz. The one I'm looking at right now is called the Vigilante. It is a two-stage rocket, and it is square. And so the body tube, instead of being a cylinder, it is square. These things fly great. They are really cool looking. This one uh, features a balsa nose cone Kevlar shock cord, and it, it, it can fly quite high. It is a 1.33 inches in Diameter is kind of the wrong word for a square, isn't it? But it's basically BT-55 size if BT-55 were a square tube. Uh, and they have a lot of these really cool ones. Another one I really like is called the uh, the Big Bessie, which is kind of the Big Bertha of square rockets. Uh, they have the Flat Boy, which is uh, an Estes uh, fat boy, sort of uh, a knockoff, uh, knockoff being a, 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 an affectionate term there. Uh, they also have a quad goblin and a Nike Smoke 2 Square, and they have some square versions of some of your favorite kits. These are new way rockets available at erockets.biz. Also, you need parts for your own custom builds, no problem. erockets.biz supplies the Semrock line of airframes, nose cones, centering rings, motor mounts, and so much more. 
E-Rockets has more rocket parts than anyone on Earth. Check out eRockets.biz today to learn more. eRockets.biz. If rocketry scares you, buy a train set. This next question also appears on the forums rather frequently, and it's not necessarily from uh, newcomers to the hobby. It's often from uh, returning hobbyists, people who uh, flew rockets years ago and are coming back. And it's this, do engines go bad? Do motors go bad? I have this pack of uh, Estes black powder motors from 1988 or what have you. Are they still safe to use? Have they expired? What's the expiration date? So the, uh, the, the short answer is they should be fine as long as they've been stored properly. Rocket motors don't really have an expiration date. They can degrade over time, but if they've been stored properly, odds are they are going to be usable. Now, there are two different types. There's the black powder motors, and those are the ones you get from Estes, uh, or older ones you might find from Quest Aerospace. Now, if, if you're new to the hobby, uh, those Quest motors, they, they don't make the black powder motors anymore. They make composite motors, uh, so you're probably not going to come across those, but you might. And um, uh, then, of course, there are the Micromax motors. Those are also black powder motors. And these are, it's a, it's a black powder propellant. It is mixed with a, basically, a, a hardener or a, a binder, so that what you have is a solid slug. It's not loose powder up in there. And uh, does it go bad? Well, not really. As long as you've been storing it in a dry place, probably a cooler place, uh, it's they should be fine. The problem comes when they have gone through something called temperature cycling, which is like, say, you've kept them in the trunk of your car and it's gotten hot and then gotten cold over the winter or the garage or... Um, you know, an attic or or what have you. I wouldn't recommend storing rocket motors, by the way, in a place that gets really hot. It's probably going to have to be pretty hot for them to ignite. But, you know, the best thing to do is just keep them indoors in a place that's dry, where there's not a lot of moisture, not a lot of, you know, if there's, if they got mildew on them, they're probably not going to be good and uh, keep them from freezing. What can happen if, if motors get to go through a period where they freeze over the winter and then they get hot over the summer is the propellant grain can crack. And when the propellant grain cracks, it's not going to burn the way it was intended to burn, uh, which in the case of black powder motors is from the back end forward. What you're going to have is you're going to have exposed surface area in those cracks and the flame is going to basically be able to go wherever there is a crack. And that will lead to a catastrophic motor failure. That's known as a Cato. A Cato is when the motor basically blows out and uh, it can happen in a number of different ways. Uh, either the top can blow out, the nozzle can blow out, the whole thing can just burst. And some of these are spe- pretty spectacular, especially with high power motors, high power composite motors. That is known as a Cato. And uh, temp cycling is, is more likely to cause that because you get cracked propellant grains. So that's black powder motors. Now, with composite motors, you also want to store them uh, properly. The composite motors, could arguably have a longer shelf life than black powder motors, except that some of them do tend to oxidize, specifically white propellants, like your white lightning and your white thunder. Those are the propellants that have a white flame and big billowy puffs of white smoke come out. The surface of those 
can tend to oxidize, which doesn't mean the motor's gone bad. It can make it a little harder to ignite. But as long as you can get the motor to ignite, it should be fine. Again, you want to make sure that you, you've stored your propellant grains properly. You want to store your motors properly, whether they're single-use or reloads. You don't really want cracks. You don't want any chips or damages. Um, but as long as you can get them to light, they should be fine. If you're not sure, you could just get some new motors, especially with those black powder motors. I mean, the way to really dispose of them if you're not willing to take the risk is dunk them in some water, you know, let them soak, and then throw them out. Um, but as long as they've been stored all right, they're going to be fine. All right, this next question, somebody actually asked me this on Instagram at Rocket Noob, and so I thought I'd include it here. And the question is, how do you smooth the joint between two tubes to make it look like one piece? And what this is referring to is sometimes you get a kit and it has uh, the, the rocket body tube is supposed to be, I don't know, let's say 24 inches long. So it comes in two parts. There's an 18-inch long part. And there is a six inch long part, and then there's a tube coupler. And uh, sometimes you look at the the face card and the the art on the face card, and it's all supposed to be one color, and it doesn't look like it's made out of two tubes. Well, if you just paint that, uh, then you know it's you're going to see a seam there. So how do you actually fill that in and make it look like one piece? Okay, so first of all, the question is, do you want to? There are several reasons you might want to leave that uh, that joint there. The first is if you have a rocket that is two colors. Let's say it's white on the bottom and black on the top, and it comes in, in two tubes, and the upper tube is the same length as what the black paint section is supposed to be on top. What you can do is you can build the whole, whole rocket. Don't glue those parts together yet, and you paint them separately. You paint the bottom white. You paint the top black or whatever colors you're, you're going for. And then once everything is, is, is uh, painted, then you glue the coupler into the bottom and you glue the top onto the coupler. And now you have a very clean, sharp line. You don't have to worry about getting your masking tape straight. You don't have to worry about your paint bleeding through. And uh, you're not going to, because there's a color change at that point, you're not going to see the seam or the joint there. The second reason you might want to not fill that in is uh, you might want to make a payload section. Some rockets come with a payload section. They'll have two body tubes, and instead of just a tube coupler, they might have like a balsa, what's known as a nose block or bulkhead, and that glue gets glued into the upper section, and you have a, a screw eye that gets screwed into the bulkhead, and that's where your rocket separates at ejection. The nose cone doesn't pop off. The nose cone stays on and it keeps your payload inside. And the part that separates is that bit in the middle with the uh, the, the balsa bulkhead or balsa nose block. Uh, so in that case, you, you wouldn't seal those two because they're going to come apart. Well, sometimes you get a kit and it doesn't have a balsa uh, nose block or, or, or bulkhead. It just is a coupler. But you can actually turn that into a payload-carrying rocket. You might want to do that because sometimes, you know, you get curious how how high does the rocket fly? And if you have a, a separate payload with uh, everything blocked off, you can put an altimeter in there and you don't have to worry about ejection charges messing up your altimeter. So instead of just gluing the two parts together uh, with the coupler, you can actually cut out of a heavy, heavy cardstock or balsa wood or what have you, uh, a circle or a couple of circles of either balsa or cardstock and glue them into the bottom of the coupler and use a piece of Kevlar thread or something like that and make a little loop. You glue the coupler into the top half 
And the bottom half is just sticking out with the bulkhead below. And that way you can actually stick it into the lower section of the rocket. And that's your now, and that's now your separation point. So you're not going to blow off the nose cone for the parachute. You're just going to separate those two sections. You've taken a non-payload carrying rocket and you've turned it into a payload carrying rocket. And it's a, it's an easy modification. Uh, I've done it on uh, a number of kits. One, one kit that I did, uh, which is a pretty common kit is the, uh, the Estes U S army Patriot, which, um, you know, comes with a lower body tube, which is uh, white and an upper body tube, which is already yellow. And that's the part that's supposed to be painted yellow. And, uh, you know, they're just supposed to be glued together, but I just put a little disc in there, a little cardboard, card store stock disc in there. And now I can put an altimeter in there and see how high that Patriot flies. So that's two reasons you might want to avoid that. However, sometimes you actually do want to make two tubes seem like one. There are plenty of kits that are like this. Um, uh, maybe the body tube is just too long for shipping a tube of that length. So what uh, I usually do is I glue the two sections together and then I will fill in the joint with something called Elmer's Carpenter's Wood Filler. This stuff is good for a number of things. You can use it to fill in the uh, the wood grain on your balsa fins uh, and sand that smooth. It's very sandable. Uh, you can use it to fill in the spiral grooves on the body tube if you like to do that, which I do. That's mainly why I have it. And again, it sands down nice and smooth and you can use it to fill in seams. And that's what I do uh, when it comes to uh, joining two tubes. Now, sometimes the tubes match up perfectly. And so all you have to do is run a little tiny bead of that wood filler, which you can, you can water it down until it's thin enough uh, that, you, that, you, that you can use it. And uh, then once it dries, I just sand it smooth. Oftentimes the two tubes don't quite fit together. So there's a little bit of, you know, if you look at them, there's, you run a nail, a fingernail over them. You can see that there's a bump because the, they're just a little uneven. They don't match up just perfectly. You can still use this method instead of running a little bead of the wood filler around that joint. I take a paintbrush and I I brush uh, all the way around that joint so that I've got a, a wide patch of wood filler that's maybe two inches long. Once that dries, then I sand it smooth and I don't sand it all the way down to the tube because if I did that, I would expose the fact that the, the tube ends don't, don't match up. So what I'm doing is I'm trying to sand that until it is smooth. And if you were to take calipers and measure the middle of the joint, it would now be slightly wider than the rest of the body tube. But because I've blended it together by sanding, by carefully sanding away any bubbles or paintbrush marks or what have you, you can't really tell. You can't really tell. It, it looks to the naked eye like it's the same diameter. And, and once you put primer over it and paint over it, it's going to look like one single body tube. And that's, that's how I do that. There, there may be other methods you, you could use, I don't know, medium CA or some people like to use Bondo for some of these things. I find that the Carpenter's wood filler is cheap. It's non-toxic. It sands very easily. And uh, you're probably not going to over sand and damage your body tube. So that's what I would do. All right, one final question for this episode. And this is one of many questions that was sent to me by a listener in the UK named Phil Parslow. Now, Phil sent me a lot of questions. And uh, actually, initially, he sent them to me on Facebook. Uh, and I was having trouble... I couldn't download them. So he was kind enough to re-record them and email them to me at noob at themodelrocketshow.com, which you can do as well. Now, he sent me a lot of questions. And as a matter of fact, he sent me enough questions. I can make an entire episode just out of 
Phil's questions. It'd be a very Phil-heavy episode. Uh, but I decided I'm going to save them because I think I'm going to do uh, do one of these question episodes uh, basically as often as people have questions. Um, so every few episodes, maybe we'll have a, a you know a workshop or a question episode. And uh, and uh, please, if you've got questions and you want to send them to me, please do. Because uh, like I said, I got a lot of Phil. And, uh, you know, he's got a fantastic voice. So I love putting him on here, but I'd like to get other voices on here as well. So please feel free to email me. All right, let's listen to Phil's question. A question for the Rocket Noob at the Model Rocket Show. So I've been doing some model rocketry and uh, I want to take some video. Now, we know obviously we can get the big stuff like the GoPros and uh, Eagles and maybe even SQ11s, uh, Squalimas, but is there anything that we can use for small model rockets, sort of up to C engine size model rockets? Is there anything that we can use? Could we use FPV perhaps? I don't know. Um, just a suggestion. Any ideas? Cheers, guys. Stay safe. All right. So Phil here has touched on a question that I was going to answer from the forums anyway, and that is uh, along the lines of, has anyone ever thought of putting a camera on a model rocket or what kind of camera are you guys using to fly on a model rocket? This is often a, uh, a beginner's question. And the answer is yes, uh, people do put cameras on model rockets. And the kind that we usually use, uh, usually it is what's called an 808 camera. This is a little spy cam. It looks like a key fob for your car, but it's not. It's got nothing to do with your car. It's just that's just what's hiding a little tiny camera. And uh, so it's a keychain. They're often very, very cheap. And uh, that's one of the advantages of them. Uh, some of them are dirt cheap, like eight bucks. Um, it's one of those situations where you get what you pay for. Uh, sometimes you can get okay video off of there. Um, there are various brands and you can find them on eBay. You can find them on Amazon. One that people really seem to like is called a mate cam. And I will see if I can find more information about that particular camera, uh, and, and post it in the show links. Uh, one of the nice things about the mate cam is it has a lens that actually pokes out of the little black body of the 808 camera. And you can actually take that camera apart and manipulate it. And so you can put that the guts of that camera in something else. So for example, people have uh, built 3D 3D printed recreations of the old Estes Cinerock, which was a, a camera payload that uh, pointed down at the ground and it used to hold uh, an eight millimeter film camera. Well, now you can do that with an 808 camera. Um, I've seen projects where people have stuffed those into the payload sections of just small model rockets to have a side pointing camera with the mate cam. Um, it's, it's a pretty versatile camera, but I've got a couple of 808 cameras. I don't even know what brand they are. They were just the cheapest things that I could find. And uh, I have another camera. And for the life of me, I cannot seem to find the information on what it's called. And I bought it from eBay a few years ago and I tried searching for it and I couldn't find the link. It, it was so long ago that it was not my history any longer. It's a sort of an oblong little camera that is not, it doesn't look like a keychain camera, but it is called a spy cam. And I like a couple of things about it. First of all, it's narrower than a keychain 808 cam. An 808 cam is supposed to look like a, a key fob. And so it's a little odd, oddly shaped. Well, this camera that I have is, uh, it's, it's narrower it is a little bit heavier, but it's uh, it fits onto the body of a rocket a lot easier. 
because it's 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 basically a rectangle. It's a little rectangle. The other thing I like about it is um, a lot of those 808 cams, they have little LED lights on them so that you can tell when the camera's on, which is great if you're in a really dark room because they're not very bright LEDs. In the field, it's kind of hard to tell if you've actually successfully turned on the camera. Well, these little cameras that I have, um, they vibrate when you've successfully turned them on. And uh, the other thing they do, a lot, a lot of times 808 cameras, they can only take a few minutes of video at a time. So if you're continuing to shoot, what it'll do is it'll actually segment the video. So if you take 15 minutes of video, uh, when you get home, you may find that you've got, say, five videos on there. And if you link them end to end, if you link them from end to end, it'll make one long continuous video. Uh, the nice thing about the, these little cameras is they, they don't only vibrate when you turn them on, they also vibrate when they segment. So, so for example, I, I, I had put the camera in my rocket and, uh, the first time I flew it, I was nervous about, about it because I turned it on and knew it turned it on properly, but you know, I, I carried it around. It took me a while to get out to the pad. There were a bunch of people ahead of me, but a couple of times as I was holding it, I felt the rocket vibrate. So I knew the camera was still working and that was great. There are a couple of other options which um, are a little more expensive, but they, they were suitable for larger model rockets. One is called a run cam. And that one was actually recommended to me by Joe Barnard of bps.space. Uh, if you're not familiar with Joe Barnard, he does some really advanced model rocketry stuff with no fins, but with thrust vectored control. And he takes amazing video. And there are others as well. Um, as far as FPV goes, I suppose that's possible. There are some very small FPV cameras. I've seen some drones with some very tiny FPV uh, cameras. The thing about FPV, though, is um, uh, my my impression is the point of that is you're piloting the craft. And with a model rocket, you don't pilot it. You just point it upward, and the fins will guide it and keep it stable. So it'd be a real thrill to sit on the ground and, and watch it in real time. I'd probably want to be sitting down so I didn't fall over. Uh, but I'm not really sure what the advantage of it would be other than that, because once you got the video process, you're not going to guide the rocket anywhere from the ground. Uh, once you got the video processed, no one's going to be able to tell that it was FPV, but it might be fun, you know, to, to see it in real time. The best way to attach these small cameras to rockets, well, there are a number of ways. Uh, there are fairings that you can buy from Apogee and from other places. There are 3D printed fairings that you can either buy or you can download and have them 3D printed or pre 3D print them yourself if you've got a 3D printer. Um, but the best way that a lot of people have found is just to tape it on the side of the rocket using common electrical tape. And I know that might not sound like uh, it would work really well, but it does. And uh, you just put it somewhere on the rocket facing downward, facing upward if you want to. I think it's more interesting if it's facing downward and you wrap a couple wraps of uh, electrical tape around there and hold it secure and launch. And it's great. Makes a really cool screaming sound too. Uh, so there's your answer, Phil. And anybody else who's interested, 808 cams, uh, make cams, uh, and the other little cameras that I'm going to try and find a link for, find some more information. I, I have a hard time believing they don't make them anymore because they were very common. They were all over eBay when I bought them. Uh, I just can't remember what the heck they were called, but I'll at least post pictures of the ones I've got. Uh, and uh, I, I specifically got that one because I, I built a rocket from a design in the book, Make Rockets, Down to Earth Rocket Science by Mike Westerfield. And that's the book that got me into scratch building. And that has a 
uh, a payload uh, section. It's a, it's a BT-60 sized rocket with a BT-80 sized payload section. And the camera is actually hidden in the balsa transition. So there's a conical section and you can, ca- I basically I carved out from the inside a place to slip that camera so that it could look down at the ground and just looking at the ca- at the rocket from the the side, you wouldn't be able to tell there was a camera inside. Uh, so I really like the fact that it wasn't just taped to the outside; it was actually part of the payload. And uh, so that that's uh, that was pretty cool. Um, I like that rocket. It's uh, I've got to repair it. It's been pretty beat up. But that's your answer. All right, that is episode four of the Model Rocket Show at themodelrocketshow.com. The FAQ. This is just the first of many, hopefully, uh, question and answer uh, episodes that I hope to have. I hope to have more advanced questions. Um, please, if you have any questions, any comments, uh, any praise, any criticism that's not too harsh or mean, email me at noob at themodelrocketshow.com. That's N zero zero B at themodelrocketshow.com. You can follow me on Twitter or Instagram at rocketnoob. Uh, my blog is rocketnoob.blogspot.com. Our website, in case you didn't catch it the first 25 times I mentioned it, is themodelrocketshow.com. If you like the show, please share it with some of your Model Rocket friends. Uh, it'd be great if you could write us a review on iTunes or whatever is the uh, podcasting platform of your choice. Uh, if you really like us, you can support us by going to the Rocketry Show's Patreon. That is patreon.com slash the Rocketry Show and chip in a couple of bucks a month. That always is a big help. But really what we would like you to do is just share the podcast with your model rocket friends. And uh, yeah, let, let people know that we're out there. Uh, it, we'll be back very shortly. I'm sorry this one took such a long time to get out to you. Uh, you know, there's a lot going on. It was a little hard to focus. Um, but I've got a couple people I've talked to about interviewing, um, and I'm very excited about getting them scheduled and getting them on. Um, so please, if you want to send me a voicemail, like Phil sent me 25 voicemails, uh, I would love to do more of these questions could be simple. They could be advanced. I'd like to get more people on the show, more voices on the show. And, uh, you know, if, if there's anybody that you would like to put me in touch with or someone you would like to hear from in the model rocket world, uh, also send me an email noob at the model show.com. All right. We will catch you soon. Not, not, not going to be another month. It's going to be soon. Uh, hopefully two weeks and, uh, yeah. See you then. Have fun flying. <laughs>